Hi everybody, welcome back to the Purposeful Provision Podcast. My name is James and I run Nursery Nook. Today I am joined by Shabnam Rashid. We are talking all about language. Hi Shabnam, welcome. Hi James. How are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. How about yourself? Good, good, good. We're recording this at the end of the summer holidays, so I think there's kind of a, a feeling of the air of, of trepidation. Everyone's kind of a bit anxious about going back, um, and I feel like I'm absorbing a little bit of it, but I think I'm going to have a lie down after this one. <laughs> um, so, Shabnam, obviously we, we have history together, we work together. Would you like to introduce yourself to my listeners, please? So, hi, everyone. So, my name is Shabnam Rashid, and I work in a primary school in Bradford. Um, I've worked as a support staff uh, from nursery all the way up to year four uh, and mainly worked with children with uh, SCND. Uh, I've then gone on to work as an early years practitioner with uh, James um, and then I've gone on to work as a lead support, SCND support. And as I was saying to James in September, I've got a new job role as a paired involvement worker as well as SND support. Fantastic. Now, um, I, I'll be honest, Shabnam, I do tell people about you and my training. Um, <laughs> I use a lot of pictures from our role classroom. Um, me and Shabnam have had a long history together. Obviously, I, I was yeah. I taught your, you know, I taught some of your children, and we've we've come along on quite a long journey together. And the reason I want to get you on here, Shabnam, is because I know that you have a wonderful understanding of language you, you use your strategy so well with children it's such a pleasure to work with you so to start us off would you mind explaining to listeners what is language to you so i see language as a bridge between the two communicators and i see the bridge as different materials that we use to build that bridge and those materials i see as strategies so it's not just verbal um, communication. That bridge is made up of uh, body language, gestures, visual support. So I see language um, as a pathway, or you could say a road. Uh, and this road may have bumps or it may have bends. And you it won't be a straight path to get that communication between uh, the two communicators or maybe more communicators so I see language as a bridge or a pathway and you may have to take different routes or you may have to use different materials to get your message or your communication across to the person you're trying to communicate with beautiful I, I love the fact that you mentioned there as well about how language is not just about spoken communication it's um it's something that I've been talking to people in, in um, on my network, my members club, about how language has so many aspects to it. And especially as working in early years, there are so many children in our care who won't necessarily be able to communicate their needs, their interests in a verbal way that we understand. And so we've got to be quite tuned in, haven't we, to those, those little ways that children are communicating with us using different kinds of language. We have to be very observant. Lovely. So in terms of a strategy then, Shabnam, in terms of what you can suggest to practitioners to develop language in a setting, have you got something you'd like to share with us today? Oh, yes, please. So my strategies, which I use, which I feel that help me a lot is visuals. 
and combine them with Makaton. Now you say, what, what are visuals? So visuals, uh, we use are small cards and they are relevant and related to help support the children. So we could start off with um, emotions, you know, to make the child understand that we are aware of the emotion. Like when the child comes into nursery, they come from a different environment. They're coming into a setting which is unfamiliar to them. So it is quite distressing for them. So, you know, to make to make them understand that we understand their distress, we could, you know, show a visual with a happy face or a sad face. And then obviously you can build on them visuals. Um, so like in, in the nursery setting, we use a lot of singing. Um, so we could use visuals through that um, with makaton which are hand gestures, and that helps children build and develop and understand language. Um, we also can use strategies uh, with the visual to give instructions to children like sitting down, waiting, stop, um, quiet, too loud, or if they want to go to the toilet. So we can use visuals for the timetable, so toilet, snack, outside, choosing. So, and then these visuals, uh, these strategies can go on uh, throughout the primary school setting with the child from nursery all the way up to year six. And I find that these are really, really supportive when you're working with children uh, with, with additional needs such as autism, who find it more difficult to process um, what we're saying or maybe it takes some more time to process what we are saying and it is important that we slow down the pace of our speech and with that we use visuals um, to support those children so transition from one activity to another these visuals are really supportive and I usually use Makaton also to support um, support my visuals so the children can see um, the visual and myself uh, showing them what is the next activity or what is that I want them to do or what is that I'm trying to tell them to give them that information so they know what is happening next. Okay, Shabnam. So that's, I think that would be really beneficial for most of our children. So there's a lot of information there. Let's break it down a little bit and think about how if you're a practitioner and you sat there thinking that's great I'd love to do that I'm hearing that Shabnam suggesting sort of like emotional visuals um what does that look like I mean we're talking about posters on the wall are we talking about pictures on a lanyard are we talking about um, little velcro pictures what what does it look like to you but also how do you think that practitioners could create their own do you suggest that they'd use clip art maybe something from twinkle photographs what what works for you do you think so what would work depends on what your child's needs are that's the first thing what are your child's needs what does your child need so does your child let's say a child's coming to a new setting and they struggle with transition from uh, one area of the classroom to another so here you would benefit with the photos of each area of your setting so your maths area, your reading area, 
your carpet area, your snack area, your outside. So you would take photos of those areas and then you would have those printed out um, so that you could put them on your lanyard or you could have them as a large visual which you could stick in each area also to support your uh, visuals on your lanyard which you could use at that moment to show the child so the child knows let's say they want to go to the snack area it's time for snack you can use them this you can show them the snack visual and then they will be able to associate that with the visual that is in the snack area obviously you would show the child those visuals in each area beforehand to familiarize them that this is the snack area this is the construction area this is the reading area so they know which area they are in and which area these visual support so it really all comes down to the needs of the child so here we've shown photos then like you said clip art or what other resources that you know that can help uh, you bring your pictures together for your child uh, i don't know if settings do have them or not if they don't have them clip art or maybe I don't know, James, if you have any that you do do that you could, um, you know, show your... Uh, I mean, I, I personally, I, I like the idea of using photographs for the settings yeah. and the provision because the children are familiar with what an area looks like. And yeah, rather, I mean, I understand people would want to use clip art, but I feel like it can be quite abstract especially for some children who are trying to for example you mentioned snack so if you were to have say a clip art picture of an apple but actually when you go to the snack area today it's carrots for some of our children the clip art doesn't really help in that moment whereas actually a photograph of maybe the snack table with a ball in the middle which is always going to be there might be more beneficial exactly so that would help you neurodivert children because if you've got a child that's neurodivert and they go to the snack area, they would be expecting an apple because that's what you've shown them. What in terms of sort of developing this, in terms of our youngest of children, if we're going to use photographs of the provision areas um, and then practitioners would want to develop those provision areas, do you think that's a... I mean, how do you overcome that, I suppose? Like, you know, for example, maybe a practitioner wants to move the snack area, but the photograph looks like the old snack area. Is that anything you've encountered before, anything that you think we could do to support that? Yeah, so James, like you said, if the snack area moves, the ball that represents the snack area would be going to that different area. So why not use one item from each area that will stay the same when you move that area that could still be there and that will still represent that area. So even if you move your snack area to a different part of the setting, that ball will still move. So that is the ball that the child sees in their picture and represents the snack area. That's still there. So even if you move the snack area, that ball would still go into the area. So they still got that ball to associate with that area. So I would recommend for each area you have one item that represents that area then that uh, that item stays and wherever you move this the area into into setting that item still is there to represent that area 
lovely. You mentioned as well about Macatone, which I'll come to in a second. What I want to ask, though, is for some of our practitioners who are starting up again in September, the desire might be to have a lanyard full of photographs ready to go um, of a happy face, a sad face, of different areas in the provision, of different activities a child might need to do. Do you recommend that practitioners start like that or is there a certain way to establish this over time? So I would uh, build it up and you only keep the lanyard, um, the visuals which are you're going to use consistently. So maybe the snack areas, uh, let's say the, the areas that you've got in your setting, the snack area, the construction area. So maybe that, because when you've got, Remember, in September, you've got children coming in that are going to be new to the setting. They need they need that settling period. So you really don't want to be bombarding them with so much information. Um, so I would gradually build it up as you need it. So I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about having so much visuals on your lanyard straight away in September. No. Okay, lovely. So let's think about Macaton. You mentioned Macaton. Now, you know I love a good bit of Macaton. Um, and obviously, the, the thing we need to mention is Macaton is it's a charity. They're quite protective about the signs. And so actually, when it comes to learning Macaton, you need to ideally go through the official routes, through the trainers. Um, but you can find you can find symbols online. And I know the Macaton charity is very happy to send short videos and pictures of individual signs if they would benefit certain children. Um, so for a lot of staff members, they might not necessarily have access to Macaton, but I'll cover that in a second. Let's think about Macaton, because you, you do use Macaton. How have you found Macaton supports these visuals? It does support... I find it supports a lot. I find it does support a lot. Um, with the weight symbol or the stop symbol, um, I use... I use my hand gesture and you know with that the child knows what it means it's got something to link it together with so it does help the child and um, here I'm talking about a child that I've worked with um, who has autism um, and then it helps that child when I'm sometimes what I say may not be helpful sometimes if I stay silent and just use my visual and my hand gesture, that is enough to get that message across to that child. Um, so that's how I see it helps. I remember as well, a child that we work with together, you would use the pictures on the lanyard and reinforce it with a Macaton symbol. But that child would then copy the Macaton symbol. It gave them the opportunity to use that language to you and others whereas the actual lanyard of of pictures whilst they could access it it really usually it usually stayed with the practitioner didn't it and that's one of the the benefits i think of macaton is the fact that it can it's a it's a language in itself that can be applied lovely so a practitioner starting in september they might start with maybe one or two 
one or two visuals that would be useful in the moment. So maybe in the first week, a practitioner might want to spend a lot of time establishing a snack area or maybe establishing um, outdoor play. So they might have a picture of the outdoor door, which is lovely, and they'd maybe incorporate in some Makaton. If a practitioner doesn't have access to Makaton, do you think it's useful for practitioners to maybe just use a symbol that makes sense to them and the children? So Absolutely. Yeah, so maybe for snack rather than the actual sign that we know, they might just mimic eating something. Absolutely, absolutely. Like I said, it's your child. You have to look at what the needs of your child are and then you work around that. So one strategy for one child may not work for the other child. So you have to look at what your child's needs are. Like I mentioned earlier, the child that I was with, I didn't have to use no ver uh, verbal communication. My visual and my makaton was enough to get my message across to that child. Because at that time, at that moment, when that child uh, was going through the distress that they were going through or whatever emotion they were going through, with me verbally uh, trying to communicate to them was not helping. What did help was this, the visual and my hand gesture. And the child knew that the adult is there for me and I was there waiting for them when they were ready. So I got that message across to them. Lovely. Um, and then thinking as well about this, the, the children that use this with us, some of the children will be with us for one, two or three hours if they're in a nursery. Some children will be with us for up to maybe six or seven hours if they're in reception or in primary school. And that's quite a short part of the day. So obviously they spend a lot more time with their families afterwards. Um, obviously thinking of your new role as well around with mm. parents, but have you shared some of these visual strategies with parents? And if you have, what have the results been? So like we say, uh, some of our children require that consistency and they require that structure and they require that routine. And when school finishes, that routine and that structure that they had in school, they may not have, have at home. And there you see the behaviour change at home. So I have come across that. So I have helped and supported a parent uh, with their child. And what we have done is uh, we've made a visual for bedtime, a visual for getting washed and ready for bed, story time. So we've kept the story time visual the same as the school. Uh, uh, a visual for dinner, uh, for the evening tea, and uh, the visual for finish, wait and stop and listen. So we've continued that and we've given that to the parent because the parents approached us saying how they struggle with the child's behaviour. So we have um, introduced those visuals to pa the parent. We explained how to use the visuals um, because you can't just, uh, let's say it's time for bed and the parents showing the visual for bed, but they're repeatedly saying bedtime, bedtime, bedtime. The child will find that difficult to process. It's overstimulating. So we've done a, a timetable where they can stick it onto their fridge. And so once, let's say, tea time's finished, they will take that visual off or put it onto the side where the finish symbol is. And then it's the next activity the child needs to do. So we've continued that routine and that structure from school into their home life to support 
parents and that child with that routine and that structure. So Shabnam, when you mentioned Macton, I'm thinking about my niece. Now my niece, she's she's two and a half and she's phenomenal. She'll watch a video on YouTube and it might have an animal in it and she'll just turn to a mum or a dad or to me or my partner and she'll just give us a symbol. She'll teach us. And it's very clear that Macton is used for all children in that setting. And many of the strategies we've talked about so far, you could argue should be applied or would be applied with individuals. But do you see these strategies being used with a whole group of children, maybe the entire class or the entire setting? Uh, right, James, I'm so glad you said that's that. And yes, I do strongly believe that Makaton and visuals should be for the entire class because it will benefit every child in some form of different way. So the setting that I'm in at present, um, during COVID, um, I made visuals, uh, sets, uh, timetable sets, large ones, for every class from nursery all the way up to year six because I found that when children were getting into year three, the use of makaton, the use of visuals wasn't there and it was only used for the children that actually may need it. So I've tried to reinforce that and through um, talk, talk for writing, um, through maths, we now are emphasising and supporting and encouraging staff to use makaton in class settings as it supports inclusion for every single child. So the child that may need it the most doesn't feel left out, like it's not just for them, it's for every child in class. And those children can learn to use Makaton to communicate with those children that actually, you know, use Makaton to support their learning. So I really feel it is so important I personally feel it's so important that Makaton is used uh, for all children and it is beneficial for every child as it does support them in different forms of ways. In terms of the symbols, just going back for a second, the signs, sorry. If you don't have training in your school, every member of staff could end up using a different um, sign. For things i'm just thinking of snack again i know we've talked about snack quite a mm. bit but you might have the reception teacher who's using maybe eating as if you'd eat with a knife and fork you might have your one teacher eating as if they're eating an apple in their hand mm. and if there's no um expertise of makaton in the setting would you recommend that settings get together schools get together and decide on a common shared sort of bank of signs absolutely so what we've done in our setting is that we've tried to keep our symbols consistent for the main topics, for the main, uh, like you said, snack, maths, mastery maths, uh, French, uh, whatever topics that we're doing, we try to keep them all consistent. Then for the children that need the additional support, we may cater a couple of symbols specifically for them which may not be used throughout the whole school for all the other uh, subjects, but maybe just specifically for their needs, what they need. Like I said, their time out. So for their time out, 
might be different for each child. One child may have um, a teddy bear. One child may have a certain area that they go to. So those would be adapted to the children. But I would strongly say that for all the other symbols, the school should have an agreement of which symbols they would keep consistent. So you've got that consistency throughout the school. Uh, lovely. And you, obviously, you're quite unique because you work in and across a whole primary school. So even though you know, the people I work with and my business is mostly focused on early years, you've brought a lot of these strategies into the primary school itself, haven't you? You've brought them right the way across. Um, do you find that's been quite successful? What 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 have you encountered when you've tried to introduce these to different teachers and different classes? Actually, the teachers have been really, really amazing and they've been willing to take on the advice or the strategies that I've suggested. So such as the maths teacher that we have, the maths lead, um, she's amazing. Um, she's even tried to use Makaton and she has used Makaton. And she's actually come back to me and said to me, you know what, my children were getting confused with ascending and descending. I've used Makaton for ascending and descending and it's made such a big difference. The children use the Makaton sign for ascending and descending and that supports them with their learning. Again, with more and less of the children in year one. So they will remember what is more and what is less. Less is taking away because they're doing the Makaton sign for less. Lovely. Shabnam, that's been absolutely phenomenal. Thank you so much. If... If practitioners want to learn more, um, how how best can they can they contact you? Um, what's best moving forwards? Best moving forward, James, is if they've got any questions, by all means, they drop those questions to yourself, and then you could pass them on to me because I'm not really big on social media at the moment. Um, with the busy life I have with my own kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Lovely. Um, I mean, as well, if you're listening and you're based in Bradford or Leeds, Shabnam does work in Bradford, so I can act as an intermediary if people want to reach out to you and maybe visit your Absolutely. setting as well. I'm sure yeah. they'll be open for that. Lovely. Shabnam, thank you so much for joining us um, and have a lovely day. Oh, thank you, James. Same to you. Thank you so much for joining me as I talked to Shabnam Rashid about language. If you've got any questions, please do reach out to me and I will put them to Shabnam myself. Um, This podcast is part of a series I put together linked to my 12-week challenges that I run in the Nursery Nook network. If you're not familiar with that, just drop me a message. I am at Nursery Nook on social media or you can reach me, james at nurserynook.co.uk. It's a members-only area and one I tend to do is I create a longer version of the podcasts with more content, printables, visuals to support as well as the other training that I provide, as well as the live videos, as well as the other videos. There's tons of material and it's definitely affordable for practitioners at the moment. So if you've got any questions, reach out and I hope to see you in the network. Otherwise, I will catch you for the next podcast recording. (music) 